So I started my career as a lawyer, actually. So I studied law at uni and I went on to become a lawyer in London. And I had a lot of friends in different different careers, but it became really, really difficult to get together because we were all working different schedules, different shifts, different times. We all suddenly didn't live 10 minutes away from each other. And I think that's what really inspired it, that's what really triggered it because all oh, you know, you're speaking to everyone that, and everyone has the same problems. When people find out about how about, it's not one of those moments to be like, oh, actually, you know, that's a really good idea. It's one of those moments where actually people say, how does this not already exist? Or there needs to be something like that. Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. And great ideas can come from anywhere. The people at Gray have a long history of finding and creating famously effective ideas. And so with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creators, artists, founders, and leaders from different industries about how they came up with their best ideas. And that's Gray Matter. On this episode of Gray Matter, we'll explore why it is so important to stay connected to friends despite how hard life makes it. Hi, I'm Jason Connor, Global Chief Client Officer at Gray. This week, we're discussing the ideas behind the social networking app out of the UK called Howbout, an app that makes it easier for friends to get together. Gray London's head of voice, B. Ponky, chatted with co-founder and CEO Neil Tanna about what inspired the idea and how the events of Neil's life led him to entrepreneurship. Neil started out as a corporate lawyer focusing on tech in London, but in 2019, after the death of his mother, he left his job and, along with two university friends, started Howbout. Howbout raises the question, why is it easier to schedule a meeting with your boss than it is to schedule a drink with your best friends? The app brings scheduling, planning, and chatting together into one place to take the hassle out of getting together with friends. Launched in August 2020, Howbout reached over 350,000 users in over 100 countries, with 2 million events organized. It's been featured five times in the Apple App Store as one of the best apps in your social life, alongside Airbnb and Eventbrite. This is Neil Tanna. How about the social network all about getting friends together? We realized after university that being an adult is actually really quite hard. And a big part of that is it's so much harder to see your friends. At university or at school, your friends are free all the time and it's actually quite easy to get together for a drink. But when you become uh, a daring adult in the, big, in the big wide world, you find out that it's actually, uh, it's actually really quite hard because everyone is so busy all the time. And there are so many tools in the office to find when, you know, my boss is free for a meeting or my, you know, different colleagues are free across different calendars, but in your social life, it's so manual to actually get friends together. And because of that, your friendships end up <laughs> fizzling out. You don't see each other as much. And before you know it, you actually don't have that many friends because it's just so hard to get together, right? It's, it's not as easy as they make out on TV. And like, when you see the American TV show Friends, you're just like, wow, you guys hang out all the time. It's not like that at all. So we wanted to build a platform that makes it really easy to get friends together um, because, you know, life is too short for the constant phrase, oh, it's been ages. Let's, uh, you know, it's been ages since we met up. Are you guys, you know, are you guys free for a drink next week? Oh, no, you can't do next weekend. What about the weekend after? Oh, no, okay, you're on holiday. Weekend after? Actually, I've already got plans. And you end up just never meeting up because the admin and the faff just takes too long. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big problem we saw. It's a problem that everyone has, especially because, you know, no one's using Facebook events anymore. We're only ever using group chats. There are so many tools in the B2B world for getting together and connecting us. Nothing for our social lives. We wanted to change that. 
Amazing. I hear you on the group chats. I have to say, if I get invited for one more Amadou <laughs> group chat, I think I might throw my phone in the Thames. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's such manual, it, it's chaos, right? Like you have one stream of chat where all the details get lost. No one can remember you know, where you're meeting up, what time you're meeting up, who could make it, what you're doing. You know, it's just lost in an endless stream of, of chat. But like the, the biggest pain point of all is trying to manually find the time you can all do, right? Across, let's say there's six of you, you just want to go for dinner. It should be really easy. It's never, it's never easy. And the only tool we have is just a simple group chat. Up until now. <laughs> Up until now. Uh, well, yeah, I was I was going to ask you what inspired you with, uh, with How About, but it seems like it's that frustration, right? everyone, you know, there was this big decline in Facebook usage and before everything was Facebook events and there was a big increase in everyone suddenly becoming busier. And that's what we're finding the best thing about building something, building a solution to a problem everybody already actively knows they have and that you never actually have to sell. We only have to ever show. And there is actually a much better way. You know, there's an app called How About that can instantly find when you're all free and can actually make getting friends together so much easier than just manual back and forth chaos uh, on group chats. Well, I wanted to know, Neil, how long it took from the moment you came up with this idea to bringing it through to life. Did it take as long as the manual group chats to arrange going for dinner with six people? <laughs> you know what? I think it took longer than that. And that's the kind of... So um, my, my, my story is quite an interesting one because... I actually had the idea, so I graduated in 2015 and I had the idea that summer uh, after suddenly, you know, you go from all of your friends living on the same campus to all of your friends being all, being all over the place. And that's when I first had the idea. And to be honest, I sat on it uh, because I was, I, you know, I just graduated. I was, I had this uh, career as a lawyer lined up and I had so many exams I still need to undertake. And looking at like actually having an idea and actually then executing on it are two very different things. And at that time, I think I was just, to be honest and speaking honestly, I think I was just feared, uh, I had fear of failure, right? Like, okay, this is a really cool idea, but you know, actually putting my all into this right now, like how would this work with my career? Would I do it on the side? Do I have time for this? And it was always, it was, I think that was just always one thing after another. Um, what changed everything for me was in 2019, my mum sadly passed away. And that was the wake up call I needed to say, life's too short. Like, what am I like? Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of brilliant lawyers out there who love what they do. I didn't have the passion for law that I needed to really make it a fulfilling career for myself. I had the classic Sunday night anxiety feeling where I got to Sunday night and I thought, Christ, do I, <laughs> how do I really feel about going into the office tomorrow, working as a lawyer for something I didn't really have as much passion in as I, I didn't love the law, right? I didn't, the thought of reviewing contracts all day the next day wasn't something that particularly excited me as, as much as it needed to that I wanted a fulfilling career out of it. But I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, I, you know, I, I've had different uh, experiences in my life where I've had to step up, be a leader, be the creative person, drive forward results. And I've always loved that. And so working as a um, lawyer, don't get me wrong, I, I had some fantastic experiences. I, I worked with some really awesome tech clients. I, 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 did a, I, I was involved in some work with Monzo, for example, when they were a lot smaller than they are now. And all I wanted to be was the guy on the other side of the table. I wanted to be the guy in the t-shirt 
not the guy in the suit and tie. I want to be the guy, you know, building, you know, and really taking something from nothing and trying to change the world. And sadly, it took uh, some sad news happening to me with my mom passing to really wake me up and think, I'm going to, I'm going to go at this, you know, not now, then when. And it just ignited a spark in me. And I built How About alongside two uh, of my brilliant friends from university, Jake Jenner and Doug Cowan. Um, Jake was an investment banker. Duncan was a spacecraft engineer. So we were very, we were all in very different careers, but we all had the same passion to take an idea, build it into something that hopefully changes the world. So we each uh, left our careers. We went full time, didn't take a salary for a long time. We were very, very uh, popular with our other halves. And, uh, and we went full time into, into startup life and founders, much to the sort of initial dismay to family and friend thinking, you know, what, what are you doing giving up these like really successful, you know, these, these careers, uh, essentially an idea at the time. So no, it, it took, it definitely took some time to get going. And then as soon as we jumped off the, the cliff, so to speak, um, it's been a, a quite the journey since then. I mean, yeah, that sounds like an incredible journey. It's really interesting to hear you talk about that fear of failure. I think so many of us can identify with that. And and just at the end there, you mentioned friends and family going, yeah, there's what plenty on of that. earth are you doing? You know, <laughs> I think whenever anyone does something new and different, there are always going to be naysayers along the way. How have you managed them? How have you navigated that? The big difficulty with what we're doing is there hasn't been a big, social app to come out of the UK. We're trying to be a big social app. So the UK has had plenty, plenty of fantastic examples of SaaS businesses, fintechs, insurtech, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing really in the sort of consumer social space. And so we immediately coming in where when you talk about social networks, consumer products built for, for friends, you think the massive US players, which immediately makes you think, guys, what, you know, what are you doing here? You, are you biting off more than you can chew? Especially because we don't, it, you know, we each come from, you know, good backgrounds, but not traditional tech backgrounds. But Duncan has had plenty of coding experience, but none of us come from, you know, proper product backgrounds. And so there's always that. We'll, and it's with first time founders as well, which just adds to the whole, you know, you look at us initially on paper and you think, have these guys got it? You know, it, what do you need to take this and say, is this going to be the, the next unicorn? So there was definitely... A lot of that, especially with, you know, how we're trying to build our business model in the UK compared to, you know, how it could perhaps be in the US. In the US, it's especially with, you know, a lot of the social apps that have come out and are now, you know, household names. They very much started with, you know, just trying to get really big, building a really scalable, engaged user base. Whereas in the UK, a company without revenue is like, okay, well, that's a nice hobby <laughs> until you make out any of revenue. So, um, there have definitely been challenges along the way with perception and how we really try and inspire confidence in not only our friends and family who, you know, can, so they can really believe in us as, as, and, and what we're trying to accomplish here, but also, you know, investors along the way to really try and show that this is a horse worth backing. So yeah, it, a lot of it has been really trying to, to prove our worth and, and really, and, and, and control the narrative about not only us as founders, but how about as an idea and why the world needs how about and why it needs it at the time we're launching it. 
I can see just how passionate you are, which is amazing. And you mentioned coming from a family of entrepreneurs and that clearly has had a big influence on you. I feel like the word uh, entrepreneur is bandied around quite a lot. Um, especially, you know, in today's day and age where we've had, you know, things like The Apprentice and we, we've, we're kind of the generation that's grown up with the idea of entrepreneur in a way that I think not everyone has a firm grasping of what it is. And I think it can be different things. To you, what does the word entrepreneur mean? What is, what is the title of entrepreneur? That's a really good question. Like you say, if you think about it in the traditional sense versus the modern sense, I think especially in the, in the modern sense where so many people, especially you know Gen Z in the modern world with how you can make so much content on so many different sites, whether it's YouTube, whether it's TikTok, uh, whether it was Instagram or traditionally, like so many Gen Z are, are becoming entrepreneurs in the modern sense by literally controlling the narrative around them as people and trying to really grow their personal brand and really try and form a, a, a personal business out of just them as individuals, right? So I think like the definition of, of entrepreneurs really has really grown over the years to so not traditionally not just be your traditional, you know, I'm setting up my own personal business, but people setting up businesses across not only traditional products, but nowadays also personal brands as well. So I think um, a lot of it extends to you wanting to really grow something from an idea and really try and, uh, and have an influence on your surroundings just based on that initial idea. I know it, it's, it's a tough one to really describe what a modern day entrepreneur is. But it feels like it's, Something that does have, you know, tangible output around that narrative, but it also feels like it's a, from what you're saying, it's, it's a type of fuel that you have within, right? You know, to, you mentioned earlier, wanting to create something and change the world around you. That takes a very specific kind of fuel. Is there somewhere where you draw that inspiration from? You have to be incredibly self-motivated. No, you will never succeed as an entrepreneur, as a founder, but whatever you want to call the person, you will never succeed without being able to self-motivate yourself. And the journey is a, is can be an incredibly lonely one. It can be an incredible, incredibly isolated one. Um, and it's all about, like you su suggested, taking on that fuel within you, whatever it may be, whatever may be igniting it to really self-motivate yourself, get up every day, especially when, you know, the results you're seeing may not be what you'd hoped or you have people who aren't particularly, you know, believing in your vision. Um, it, it's, you really need that voice inside you to keep you going every day. Where I get mine from is really wanting to, I think, to do my mum proud. I think that that's a key thing for me. My, um, my parents made a huge number of sacrifices so that I could sort of get where, where I am. My, my parents were both immigrants to the country. Uh, their childhoods were, a lot more, uh, a lot, a lot harder than mine were. My parents sort of tried to really try and make my uh, childhood sort of very safe, very secure compared to what they had experienced. And because of that, they, you know, I was really able to see firsthand just the effort, the most like, and the hard work that they really had to put into to, to give me the childhood they wanted me to have. And because of that, I feel the the biggest passion I have, the biggest driver I have, is continuing to really make them proud as individuals to, of, of the son that they've raised and to really show in my mum's memory, really show that I, you know, I really went at it and, you know, whether it was against, you know, what I was worried that people may think of me, you know, leaving a career in law versus, you know, what I think of myself versus, you know, all this time I put into qualifying as a lawyer, but really trying to show myself them and 
and all the people around that um, who the, the, the man that sort of Neil Tanner has become. Um, I think there is partly within that there's there's fear of failure because you know fear of failure as a, as an entrepreneur is huge, and so I think it's about harnessing that power and really trying to put it towards the right process to really try and make every day 1% better than the day before. Because if you do that, it, it develops and develops from there. It compounds. But, um, but no, I think self-motivation, like you said, is, is the key skill that every entrepreneur needs to have. If, if you can't self-motivate yourself, you won't last long as an entrepreneur. I love the idea of trying to make every day 1% better than the day before. It feels so achievable right and sometimes you look at these huge mountains of tasks and you go i don't know where to begin and that feels very achievable and that's exactly it and i think the you know a key bit of advice has been given to me when i first started on this journey a, a key bit of advice was you have to enjoy the journey because the outcome never feels as satisfying as you think it will because by the time you get close to whatever outcome goal or objective you were striving for you are already thinking about the outcome beyond that one. So for us, you know, we we set ourselves, you know, key goals and targets as as any as any startup uh, does, any company does. And so, for example, with us, it's you know how many how many plans our users are organizing because you know we're where our mission is to be the easiest way to get friends together. Okay, well, a key way, a key KPI for us is how many events, how many plans are people organizing, and we are fast approaching two million. Uh, organized on our app so two million whether it's coffees brunches walks calls gaming sessions parties whatever anything that involves friends getting together and we're already thinking about three million so because you know we're almost at two million so when you actually achieve two million it feels like okay it it wasn't as exciting as we kind of you know we're already looking to the target above that and that's the way that growth continues to happen so you've got to enjoy the journey Uh, and this it's a key bit so Culture is really important to me. I cut, you know, not that um, uh, my previous employees have had bad cultures, but law firms and startups can have very different cultures, you'd hope. So something that was really important to me is it's this concept called DWE, which uh, a good friend of mine uh, shared with me when I started this startup journey. It stands for days waking up excited. Everyone who works at How About should have four out of five DWE. So, you know, I want you to feel inspired, motivated, excited about the tasks that you're working on that day or what the team is striving for uh, towards that week. Because if you enjoy the journey, every KPI doesn't wear, every target, every goal, every objective doesn't feel like, like a task in the same way as it does feeling as like something you're passionate about achieving where you feel you know, excitement every day to, to get one step closer to it. Going back to my trying to improve yourself and the company 1% every day. Because if you do that, you can wake up feeling motivated and inspired rather than unhappy or uninspired, yeah, by the, by the day that you've got ahead of you because it feels like a mountain you've got to climb rather than a goal you can work towards to achieve. I think that's such a such a great mindset and and a really nice way to measure where you're at right now. Like how many DWEs do you have? Uh, I think that's a very a very potent question to ask anyone, um, particularly in their work life. Uh, I love this this sense of constantly trying to strive for more improvement. But do you ever stop and smell the roses? Do you ever just like stop and enjoy what you've done? You know what it is. 
bloody hard. Uh, and it's something that we're trying harder and harder to do because the difficulty with trying to improve 1% every day or always look to the next one or not to do it. And that, that startup life, right? Because if, uh, in, in this game, it's always whether it's looking for further investment or whether it's trying to hit the next user milestone, there's always another objective you can hit. And the to-do list never ends, right? And that's, that's a, another key learning that we've learned is there's always more that can be done. And so taking a step back and actually looking at what you've achieved, there's something that we're trying to get a lot better at. So what we do now is we have, um, for example, in one example, we do weekly wins every single week, which sounds like quite a, a small thing, but what has been fantastic at is learning to celebrate the here and now across teams. Because, you know, for example, we're already a team of six at the moment, but um, we have essentially, you know, our, our fantastic engineers, marketing and um, and sort of the founders. And what you what we found initially was that, you know, our Claudia, who works in our marketing team, may not know exactly the depths that have gone on in the engineering team and vice versa. So by doing a win of, win of the week and you're able to share the success that someone in a team has had that another team member may not realize that weaker again allows you to ground yourself in the present take a step back and think yeah wow that we've, we've actually um, achieved something fantastic here we have monthly socials where we, we focus on just what was achieved that week but uh, no it, it's definitely something that we're continuing to try and get better and better on because as you said when you're constantly trying to be a high growth startup it's very difficult to just take a step back and think, look how far we've come. It usually takes um, something like a podcast there uh, or something like um, when you're writing down, um, when you're writing down, you know, what you've achieved, or whether it's part of like press or marketing, do you think, oh, wow, look at that number. When, when, did, when did we reach that? So it's, um, it's pretty cool. But yeah, it's something that you definitely have to get better at. But it, uh, it makes the 1% growth thing, it kind of goes, uh, it's, it's, it's trying to get everything um, in perception, that's key. Yeah, I, I really like the idea of weekly wins and win of the week because uh, something that you touched on there when it comes to culture that I think is really interesting is, is drawing inspiration from departments that aren't your own, right? So if you're in engineering, you're in engineering, presumably because you bloody love engineering and maybe weren't so interested in press and marketing, but actually getting a little taste of what's going on over there. I'm a big believer in like cross-pollinating inspiration. I, on the side of my day job, I do lots of really nerdy courses. I like doing welding courses and glass blowing and woodworking, like things that I will never use in my day job, but they inspire me in all sorts of weird ways. Where do you get your inspiration from across the field? I think that is a fantastic point you just make. And it actually links really well with another part of our culture that I try and inspire. It's called ownership thinking. And it's exactly what you just said, where, and this is almost where working remotely has, has made this harder because if you just work in your department, say, so like we've got some fantastic engineers and if all they did all day was just building new features for the app, fixing bugs in the app, and that's all they did day out, day in, day out, they're missing the part of the business that comes with, uh, you know, attraction or what are we doing from a press release or what are our users saying or you know what's the latest that you know what's happening with Instagram on TikTok like what is the holistic view of this business so what we do similar to what you just said in terms of cross-pollination we try and have everyone know to the extent required what is happening in the rest of the business because not only is it fantastic to share ideas but also get other people's points of views who aren't in the detail from the best ideas in our business, I mean, from someone who wasn't in the detail because they're able to come in with a fresh point of view to it. But it also allows everyone to just think, 
the task ahead of me is not just the task I've been set or the task that I know I need to do, but how can I level up this business? Again, coming back to the 1% every day, as if I feel like a part owner of it. If I, if I feel like an employee, I only do what's in front of me. If I feel like an owner, it's how can I, what can I do to add value, whether it's in my specific task or whether it's more holistically in terms of the idea I've had the marketing team or you know someone in marketing having an idea from uh, the product perspective it's that 360 view that that i think has really helped have out to date and like i said it, it's why all of our employees have share options because uh, everyone can can feel like part owners of our company but where i draw sort of external uh, in uh, input from is i like to read a lot and i always find that if I am the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. I like to say that a lot because I like to think that I know very little. And what I mean by that is it constantly inspires me to develop as a person, both as a personal person, so Neil Tanner, the person, but also as Neil Tanner, the CEO. So whether that is trying to surround myself who are, but with people who are a lot more talented at what they do. So Claudia in our marketing team is a far better marketer than I am. And that is exactly what we want. We try and surround ourselves with advisors who, you know, have expertise in, in lots of specific areas. And then I, I fill the rest with, with books from, you know, whether it's people specifically in the, in the startup scene or it's more to do with project management, leadership, uh, marketing, um, et cetera. So that's where I try and draw a lot of um, influence from. And I also find, and this is something that has been really difficult for me to work on, but taking a step back from the office or from my desk is actually where most of my good ideas come from. If I'm, you know, I go for a 10 minute work, something, you know, I like to be longer than that. But if I go for a quick walk or if I'm, you know, away for a weekend uh, or something, you know, I sometimes find that when I'm actually out of work thinking or out of my work mindset is where actually your, your best ideas come from. So there's, there's a few different things there about um, how you can really try and yeah, get new ideas from and, and, and sort of come at it from a different perspective. I think the best ideas do come when you're not looking for them. I think there are, someone once told me, um, good ideas are like cats. You have to let them come to you. <laughs> and I kind of like that as an idea. Like you have to make yourself open to them, make yourself open and receptive. But, you know, they're not like dogs where as soon as you hold your hand out, they're like, they're like immediately running over. No, no, no. Cats are a bit more aloof. And I think ideas can be like that. So, yeah, I really, I really love that as a concept. So this has been quite a journey for you then from from the realization that something needed to be done and then coming together and then getting over that fear of failure and and you know obviously the the, the kind of impetus that self motivation and that drive of thinking about the, the story that you want to tell is there anything that has really surprised you along the way on this journey Great question I think it's that uh, I, this almost shouldn't have surprised me but I think it really has in that there is so much that you don't know. Uh, and that is fine. And it's, it's getting comfortable with that because, you know, I think this stems from my career. You know, I studied for a while to become a lawyer and then you have to pass all these really tough exams to become a lawyer. And then you have to get a training contract to prove that you're going to be good enough as a lawyer. And then you start as a lawyer and then you feel like, okay, all right, I, I, should, I should know what I need to know to, to do this job. And then you start as a founder and then you realize I know absolutely nothing about lots of things, but all I can, 
all I have, and this is what you need, and all I have is hustle, hard work, and heart. And if I have those three things, I can learn a huge amount that's going to help me get to that next level every single day. We, like we said, we started with a problem that we knew everyone had. So we didn't, it's not like we needed to prove the problem to anyone or like prove that a solution needed to happen. But what we needed to do was build a product that our users would understand, enjoy using and share with their friends because we didn't have, you know, millions of pounds to spend on marketing budgets to make our app go viral. We had to rely on some initial users really enjoying it, passing it to their users and et cetera, et cetera. And then it becoming big. So we had to build the product in a way where, you know, it, it was built on those natural network effects. And we were coming from backgrounds where we didn't have that initial, you know, we didn't have that knowledge by default. So, you know, I think quite naively we came in thinking, you know, we've got a great idea here. We're just going to, we're going to smash that. We had to really level ourselves up speak to, you know, people who've gone through the journey as well as, you know, really learn about how best to go about this product. And I think what really worked for us is we really harnessed the power of data because, and this is, um, this is from a, a couple of great books I've read where the advice was, you know, it's, it's not just about building a solution. It's not just about having a good idea. It's, it's building it in the, in the right way and making sure that your users are using the product in the way that you think they would. And if they're not, you change quite quickly. It's working quite agile. And what we did really quite effectively is we released the product and we, <laughs> we almost became obsessed with getting feedback on it. And from that feedback, whether it's from our, our initial users directly or from the data that we saw from how the users were using it, we then iterated the problem, or iterated the product, I should say, several, several times and just keep and just kept releasing updates and slowly kept building it out from there. Um, and the great thing is, is users kept telling their friends about it, they kept telling their friends about it, and then thankfully it grew very quickly. And just because we were had that sort of infatuation with feedback and data. But you know, the knowledge I know now compared to the knowledge I knew back then when we launched is you know, you can't even compare and the knowledge I'll have a year from now will be so much more than today. So I think it's, it's being understanding that you will be very uncomfortable with initially with how much you just find that like, plus I need to really know a lot here. And there's a lot that I can level up with and it's really putting in that, that work to get yourself to that level and then continuing to understand every day I can make myself a much smarter, better, more equipped founder to, to deal with all these different problems that I put in front of me than I was yesterday. I think learning is such an important part of all of our journeys. I really, I really am a passionate believer in that. And I, I think that we in today's society have got this weird obsession with, I think it's a type of arrogance, always wanting to seem like the smartest person in the room and wanting to seem like you know everything about everything. And I just think that creates a barrier, actually, to be able to get to where you want to go. I think it is the, uh, the quickest way to get somewhere is to go, I don't know. Can someone show me? Can I, is there a book I can read? Is there a video I can watch? You know, that's how we're, we're all going to get further, better. Um, and I love this thing around hustle, hard work and heart. I think that's such a great kind of driving motivation. And you can see that actually when you speak that that's really been present throughout your whole journey. Was there any time where you just felt like, oh, I'm going to throw in the towel. I can't do it. You know what? No. I actually quite really honestly say that. And I think it comes down for this drive I have. Um, it, it was quite a, 
it's quite an emotional moment I went through, uh, it was, and, it, and it really was quite um, life changing. The, ex- the experience I had with my mum, she was uh, she she passed away from cancer. We went hospital for the best part of ten months, and something like that changes you as a person. And I remember, you know, I, I really promised myself that day that I was um, I was going to jump into this, and you know, I was going to go for it. And you know, life's too short. You know, I, I if I wasn't if I if I had this idea, I had this dream, and I and I knew I could execute on it. Why wasn't I? Um, and so I promised myself that day that I was gonna that I was gonna dive into it, and I was gonna really give it my best shot. And and so every day I wake up with the same drive as I did on the first day I started. I want how you know, how can I make how about one percent better than it was the day before? Um, and if you just keep doing that, the the compound effect is there. Don't get me wrong. There have been some really, really stressful times, but it, as long as you have that that drive, um, I think it, it's always enough to keep you moving. For example, we we launched this app. Uh, we 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 soft launched it, so uh, it was when we were doing our initial testing. Uh, like I mentioned, we launched that just before the first pandemic hit, and so our app, which is all about getting friends together, overnight <laughs> suddenly became quite. Quite harder uh, to sell when suddenly friends can't see their friends, and um, that was, you know, we we'd been building the the app for a long time up until that point, and we were getting some great initial feedback and testing, and um, we had actually just closed our first investment round, and so our investors were probably thinking, why did I just invest in a social planning app? So we had a, we had a lot to prove to you know people who had initially not being supportive and now we're probably looking at okay see look what happened and investors who had just invested and you know we had to we had to prove that you know this was still the horse that should have been backed and so you know there are there are definitely moments when you think yeah okay this is this is really really quite tough and it's i think about having a really supportive team around you i'm i'm really lucky to have two fantastic co-founders um, and also having that self-motivation and being able to get up get cracking and think yeah, I've been hit with a with a tough hand here, but you know, I I'm gonna work hard, hustle, and uh, and get through this. You can really feel your passion for what you do and the way that you speak. We've talked a lot about your, I guess, your professional journey here and how you've managed to really, I guess, manifest and bring to life the the reality that is. How about now? Um, I want to know how you think your friends would describe you? Like if they could use three words. So we've talked about Neil Tanner, the CEO. We've talked about Neil Tanner, the man. What about Neil Tanner, the friend? What about Neil Tanner, the the person who's using how about to actually go for that dinner? Neil Tanner at dinner. What are the three words that you think your friends would use to describe you? It's a great question. I think the first one, it's not a single word, but encompassing this feeling, I think would be, I don't take myself too seriously. I think life's too short for that. I think you can work really hard and be great at what you do with a smile on your face. We all have those bosses, uh, we'll have had those bosses and you're like, wow, you are a d- <laughs> you know, you are, yeah, you know, I'm inspired by you, you are fantastic, but why are you so hard to work with or for, right? And I want the complete opposite of that, you know, it comes back to the GWE, you know, I expect hard work, I expect hustle and heart, but I, you know, I want everyone to enjoy where they work and I want you to enjoy working with me and vice versa. And so I, I think that's something that, that comes through uh, all facets of my life. I, I don't like to take myself too seriously and you'll always hopefully see a smile on my face. Um, so that, I think that's one. Um, two, I'd, I'd like to think that 
my friends would really see that I'm quite passionate at what I do and sort of everything I do, I, I kind of put my all into it, whether I'm, I'm a keen basketball player. So, you know, whether it's on the basketball uh, course or whether it's in work, um, I really try and uh, put my all into everything. And finally, I like to think I'm quite a loyal person. Um, I'm quite, uh, whether it's again with friends or it's at the office, um, I, my word is my bond as, as cliche as that sounds. Um, it's if I've got a relationship with you, it's an, if I'm a friend or, you know, if I'm a colleague or whatever, I will always have your back. And I, you know, it's, it's something that I really try and, and strive hard to, to really be a loyal person because again, and it comes back to it, life's too short to have, um, to have bitchiness and politics. Um, I, I like to, I like to think that, you know, we are, we, we all choose who we spend time with, whether it's at work, whether it's in our friendships and, and so loyalty is, is a is a big part of me and my personality. It's easy to lose sight of the fact that we're here for people. What we do is people-based. It's to help people in one form or another. And we spend our, you know, no matter how much data drives our day job, we spend our days surrounded by people. And if you can come back to the heart of that and what it is that you're doing for those people and doing right by those people, and as you mentioned, being loyal to those people, I think that's uh, that's a pretty good way to live life, I would say. It sounds it, doesn't it? Absolutely. We've talked about Neil Tanner, the CEO, Neil Tanner, the person, Neil Tanner, the friend, Neil Tanner, the, the founder at the start of this journey. What what would you like to tell him? What advice would you give him? Or maybe you wouldn't give him any advice. Maybe, you know, you'd kind of leave him as he is. But if you could go back and, and speak to Neil at the start of this journey, what would you say? Don't strive for perfection. I think that's key. I think I'd say that's like, you know, I've had a few friends who've started as founders recently and I've given them the same advice. If you strive for perfection, you will never launch. And if you don't launch, you can't learn because we all have these preconceptions about how our product will be used or how users will take to it or, you know, what will happen. And you know nothing until you've got your first customer or user that isn't your friend or family. (laughs) Because <laughs> initially, you know, your friends and family will tell you everything you want to hear. But until you have that first person who doesn't know you, you don't know them, and you've got that initial bit of feedback, you have no idea if you've built a product or business that actually is going to resonate with people. And so the quicker, that as quick as you can get that feedback, the better. So it's about, you know, not trying to build the perfect product, building it, like being far more agile with it, treat it like a jigsaw, like what is the the minimum here that I can build to get some really valuable initial feedback, get feedback, learn from it, grow from it, adapt, build slightly more release, continue to get feedback. Whereas if you try and try and build too many features at the outset or really try and build it the way you think, it, you've already gone too far to get that initial feedback, which might result in you starting again, and then you've wasted a lot of time. So I think really just trying to just get out there, launch, make mistakes early and don't don't be afraid of failure because uh, failure is a prerequisite to learning. And learning is how a startup goes from no users to one users to a hundred to a thousand, et cetera, et cetera. I want to know, Neil, what are you most proud of from this journey? Because it's been a pretty amazing journey. Like what makes you really proud? But you know what? I could answer this. And I, what you, when you get this sort of question, you immediately think of a stat or an award or something like that. And I actually am going to go curveball here. I'm going to say DWE. I'd like to think that I have helped shape a culture and build a company 
that people enjoy working at and people feel inspired to get up every day and 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 think how can I help how about level up today compared to yesterday and it's quite an inspiring feeling right because you know I'm an individual and I've helped build a company that currently has six employees and in a couple of months we'll have 10 and it's wow these people you know these these are all fantastic people you could go to any other company out there and choose to build their career there. They've chosen to work at Howbow and try and build the easiest way to get friends together for users globally. And that's a choice, right? And it's, you know, it comes down to the culture we're building and and how and how they feel their careers can really progress and it's worth them spending their time here. And the fact that, you know, we've done that and we're seeing success from it. There's a lot to be proud of there, um, away from just user numbers or engagement numbers or awards. It's wow, we built uh, we built this company that people feel inspired and engaged and happy to work at, and that's quite that's quite special. My goodness, Neil is a determined young man. B, what do you find most surprising about Neil's story? Yeah, he is really determined, right? I I think. Um... I think it's the way that he just responded to a situation that happened and, and went after something that he really wanted. You know, he was, like you say, so determined. He, he saw an opportunity. He matched it with a passion that he had. And he has just jumped, jumped in feet first. I think it's, it's so admirable. That's great. Can you tell us how our listeners can learn more about Neil and how about? Yeah, well, first things first, they can download the app in the App Store. Um, download it, give it a go, try it out. And, you know, like any social platform, it's going to get better the more people use it. So share it with your friends. The more people who are using it, the more useful it's going to be to you, the more fun it's going to be. Uh, and you can also interact with How About on other platforms too. So follow them on Instagram. You'll learn more about the team behind the app and yeah, get engaged, support support platform. Thanks so much, B. That does it for us this week. This was our first international episode, and we hope to do many more. This week, the podcast team and I would like to thank Claudia White. If you'd like to hear more creators, founders, and inventors discuss how they found a problem and use their ideas to solve it, then check out all past podcasts in this feed. Reach out to us with questions and comments on Gray's social channels or our email address, podcasts at gray.com. And lastly, tell someone about our show. It helps us share these ideas with the world. I'm Jason Connor, and thanks for listening to Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas. Gray Matter is hosted by Jason Connor, produced by Samantha Geller and Samantha Alvarado, mixed by Guy Rosemarin and Amanda Fuentes at Gramercy Park Studios, with post production support from Ned Martin, Robin Frank, and Kyle St. Agath, marketing and administrative support by Christina Hyde, Adrian Hopkins, Marcella Basilar, and Gina Cuneo editor and executive producer, Joey Scarillo. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.